You are listening to the Grace Covenant Cornelius Podcast. Pastor Farrell is on vacation this week, much-deserved vacation. As a matter of fact, if you think of him over the next week, just pray. Just offer up a quick prayer. Father, bless him. Give him a restful time. Uh, all that good stuff. So he's on vacation. So this morning, my friend Greg Johnson is going to uh, speak to us in this last series uh, part of the series on the art of neighboring. Now, Greg has been in the church, a partner of Grace, for about eight years. He's been very involved with uh, serving on the council and other areas of ministry. But the one thing I most appreciate about Greg is not only is he a student of the word, but he puts it into practice in his life. He lives out what he believes. Would you join me in welcoming Greg this morning? Good morning. Wasn't that an awesome time of worship? Yes. I love uh, so many things about Grace, but I love our times of worship. It is so awesome being in a place where you come in and you just sense the presence of God um, every Sunday. So that is such a a wonderful thing. Um, Well, thank you um, for allowing me this opportunity. Thank you, Mike, for that nice introduction. Um, Like he said, I'm Greg Johnson. I've been here for about eight years, my uh, wife, Carol, and our four children um, who are sitting right there, um, they, they like to re- remain anonymous alike, a lot, so I like to call them out, like shine a light on them. Um, and uh, we have a son who's in college. He's away at, um, at college, so that's been a change in our family. Um, we don't really hear from him very much anymore. It's like, he's like, oh, you used to have a son. Where did he go? Um, but we do hear from him when he needs money. So <laughs> I was told that if you don't if you don't hear from them much, that that's a good thing. So I said, well, things must be going really well for him then, because we don't really hear from him very much. Um, but we thank God for him. Um, today we're going to wrap up our the Art of Neighboring series. Uh, it's been a wonderful uh, series on so many different levels. Uh, Part of it is because there have been over a hundred churches all over the Charlotte community for the t- past two weeks and today that will be also sharing the art of neighboring. Um, and if you look on your screen, it kind of gives a bit of a heat map around the churches and where they're located um, and the over 60,000 people that are right now participating in churches all over the city hearing these messages. And I, I like the, the thing that these yellow uh, circles kind of represent these sparkles of God's people activating throughout our city um, for the cause of Christ. But just to share the love that he's put in us in our neighborhoods and throughout our city. Um, and I think it's going to be, I mean, we've already heard some wonderful stories, but I believe it's going to be a, make a wonderful, incredible impact on our city. Um, so let's give God a hand praise for that. Um, We've been talking about, you know, simple but impactful ways that we can just love on people in our community. Uh, throughout this series, we've had a couple of different sermons. One was about the Good Samaritan, a very familiar, popular biblical story. Uh, there are, you know, this, this guy's injured on the side of the road, obviously in need. Uh, a couple of people walk by him, actually move on the other side of the road, don't really want to interact with him. Um, and then there's this guy, the Good Samaritan, that comes along, sees the need, uh, does some things to help him. 
uh, lifts him up, puts him in an inn, gives the innkeeper money, says, take care of him. He was practicing being a good neighbor. And then last week, Pastor Farrell told us about in, in wanting to become a good neighbor, there are a couple of things that sometimes get in the way of that. Um, one of them being uh, a time barrier. Is anybody busy in here? Anybody got a busy life? Yeah, so the time barrier is real. We work. We have kids. We're, we're kind of constantly in motion. I was talking to some folks about that between services. Um, but we have to be intentional about saying, I'm going to carve out a portion of my life just to be neighborly and to think about the people that are around us. And we have to be intentional about that. The second area was the fear factor. Uh, you know, sometimes it's not comfortable, you know, going out and, you know, meeting strangers. So there's anxiety that can be associated with that. So there's this whole notion of, you know, meeting someone, not knowing where they come from, um, you know, and being trying to be comfortable with them. Um, but most of the people that we're going to meet in our neighborhoods, for the most part, you know, are, are really nice people, really wonderful people, and it's just a matter um, of, of, of meeting them, you know. We live in all neighborhoods with all kinds of people, but for the most part, they're, they're really wonderful people, except those people in my neighborhood that I think are in the Witness Protection Program, but I would never say that publicly. <laughs> We're going to keep that between us. Fortunately, this isn't on the website or anything like that. Um, so we move forward today with some more practical things. Um, one thing I wanted to say is I thought about this. I'm an advertising guy. I've been working in the advertising industry for over 30 years. And I know you're thinking, he's not even 30 years old. How could he have been working for 30 years? <laughs> um, but I've been working for 30 years in advertising. So when I think of most things in life, I start to think of, of jingles and uh, headlines and things like that. And I thought of one as I was preparing for this sermon that came to me. It says, like a good neighbor. Exactly. Um, that, that slogan and that campaign started in the 60s and ran through the 70s and the, and the 80s. And one of the things that we do in advertising is that we... We have these triggers, so we create things that create triggers in the minds of consumers. And so when you say neighbor in the 1970s, it would have triggered something. Um, and I thought about the neighborhood that I grew up in, which was a neighborhood that had about 100 houses in it. Um, it seemed like everybody knew every, everybody. I was I'm kind of reflecting back on I'm amazed that everybody in every house had kids the same age. Um, I, because I grew up with friends and people, you know, my age group, so that was a really cool thing. But we knew each other, we knew our stories, we knew where we came from, we knew our secrets. Mm-hmm. One of those kind of neighborhoods. Um, and, but we, we, we would go outside and we'd play and we'd run in and out of each other's houses, we lived, we did life together. We'd eat dinner at each other's houses. It was a normal way of life. It was a real neighborhood. Um, as a kid, you couldn't do much and get in trouble because it was like you had 35 or 40 parents um, that did not have a problem giving you a love tap every now and then <laughs> to get you back in alignment. And the worst thing that could happen is for one of your neighbors to call your parents and say, Greg's been acting up down the street. It was like you didn't even want to go home because then you would get lots of love taps. But that was neighbor. That was a neighborhood. That was what I when when I think the State Farm people a long time ago when they said like a good neighbor. That's what they were thinking. But today, not so much anymore. In fact, they've changed their 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 tagline to something else because I don't know that it would conjure up the same thing anymore. I don't know that on a regular basis in all neighborhoods all over the place that we're we necessarily behave that way. Um, I know that I don't always behave that way, which was you know. A, a bit of a challenge as I've been was preparing this message. I was like, I felt like a little bit like 
Pastor Farrell was talking that first week, like the garage door neighbors, and I felt like, oh, I might be one of those where you raise your garage door, you pull out, and you go to work, you stay gone 10 hours, you come back, and you, you, know, you pull back in your, your garage. Um, and if I saw like some people sitting on my lawns, like, hey, Greg, I would probably run from them. Um, so <laughs> I was like, there's some work that God is still doing in my heart um, around neighboring. Um, in fact, uh, uh, I think it was a week or so ago, my wife and I went to a game night at some friend's house, and they had seven couples from all different parts of Charlotte, and we didn't know um, actually any of them. And so when we got there, our friend said, hey, we want to introduce you to uh, this one couple. And so they introduced us to the Smiths, not their real name. And we were like, hey, and we started talking to them. And uh, I said, well, where do you guys live? And my friend knew this, and he jumped into the middle of the conversation and said, three houses down from you. <laughs> and I was like, oh, no, I'm preaching a sermon on neighboring. I'm such a bad neighbor. <laughs> Um, but we've met them, and we're going to, you know, we're bonding, we're developing a relationship, so it's never too late to become a good neighbor. Um, so, today we're going to learn about some, some more practical things as we conclude this series. In Galatians chapter 5, uh, verse 14, it says, the entire law is summed up in a single command, love your neighbor as yourself. Um, I think when it comes to neighboring, knowing where to start is sometimes a hard step for us. But I believe it is this love that God has already put in us. If you know God, you know he is love, and you know that he is loving, and that he is kind. He's been merciful to each and every one of us. And it is really out of that place that he's calling us to go and be a part of the folks, the lives of the folks that are right around us. Um, He's not saying, you know, this series has not been about some huge mountain to climb. It's not about, you know, working your way through the city of Huntersville and Charlotte and Mooresville. It's about just in the sphere of influence right around you, how do you show love to the folks that God has put in your life? You know, when it comes to neighboring, knowing where to start is sometimes the hardest step. You know, so this week we want to talk about how do you take the theory of neighboring and put it, in, put it into practice. So where we can begin is just along this continuum. What is the continuum? How do we go and move from, you know, being strangers and where do we go from? And Part of it is just understanding that we don't have to do it all at once. It's not a eat the whole elephant, but it's take a bite at a time. So if the neighbors are strangers, it starts with them just becoming acquaintances with them, becoming acquainted, acquainted with them. And so what does that look like? It might mean a simple conversation. You know, what do you like to do? Hi, I'm Greg. What do you like to do? Oh, you like the Panthers? I like the Panthers. Oh, you're from there. Oh, my college roommate was from there. You hate Duke? I hate Duke. <laughs> Yes, we're going to be friends. Why don't you come over for some chili, you know? But it's about moving through this process, stranger, acquaintance, and then eventually you get to a place of friendship. Um, and you can never have too many, too many great friends. Um, the text that we're really going to be launching from today is Luke chapter 5. It's going to be on the screen, Luke chapter 5, verse 27 through 32. And I'm going to read it to you. It's Jesus an encounter that Jesus is having with some uh, scribes and Pharisees and being asked, what is a, what is a, um, uh, no, that's not it. He's, he's meeting Levi um, as he's on this journey um, doing ministry um, in this area. It, and verse 27 says, after this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi. We'll also reference him sometimes as Matthew, sitting at, a, at his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him. And Levi got up, left everything and followed him. 
Then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house, and a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who belonged to their sect complained to his disciples, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered them, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Now, the interesting thing wrapped in this is that Jesus will call Matthew, I would say, is is an interesting notion, but I think it speaks volumes about this whole notion of being a neighbor. Matthew was a tax collector, and in that time, a tax collector would have been someone who's probably paid for generally paid the taxes for a region, and now he's going back and collecting the money. The problem with these tax collectors is that they wouldn't collect the right amount of taxes. They would add a little something on top of it. They would put their own personal profit in the tax collection. Now, let me ask you something. How many of you get really excited on April 15th? How many of you? That's like your favorite day of the year. You're just super psyched about April 15th. Well, no, I mean, we, love, we don't mind paying taxes, right? We love the benefits and the wonderful things that paying taxes get us. But these people were paying above and beyond. There was what was supposed to be paid, and then there was what, what, what tax collectors were adding as part of their personal profit. So what that got those folks, the, the tax collectors, was, was a bad reputation. They were not very liked and embraced in the community. And because they were kind of the dregs a little bit of society, they attracted other folks like them. So, A, it was just interesting that Jesus would go, and of all the people to tap, he would go and tap a tax collector, Levi, to come and be a part of his close inner circle of disciples. There were many disciples, many followers of Christ, but he was going around calling a 12 to really be his, 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 inner, his inner group. And, and Levi was one of them, this tax collector. The reaction, I believe, that that we see that Levi had to this was that it it clearly was a very powerful encounter that he had had with Jesus Christ. Like many of us in this room, we were something before we met Christ, and then we met Christ, we got saved, and we became something else. And usually around that time of encountering him, you know, we get overwhelmed, you know, with, with emotion and excitement about this new life that we have in Christ. And I believe that's what Levi had And his immediate response was he wanted to tell other people about this, this Jesus that he had met. So Levi was encountered by Jesus, and I believe it changed his life. It radically changed his life. I think it's interesting, again, that Jesus would pick him, you know, given his background. But then I don't think it's interesting because Jesus picked people like me. And I think about my background, and he's picked people like you. I mean, you guys aren't like me. You aren't as bad as I was, but, but you guys are good. But he picked us to be his followers. And we've had this, this reaction to that. So, so Levi, you know, so excited. He wants to, you know, share with everybody. So the first thing that he does, he, he takes the initiative. He took the initiative to invite his neighbors and his friends using something that is really common, which is food. How many of you like food? How many of you are thinking about food right now? <laughs> Hurry up, Greg. We've got to get to our food. So he took the initiative and leveraged something that's really common, and that's just a simple thing that we can do. Everybody's got to eat. We have dinner all the time. Sometimes we make more than we need, whatever. Like, can we just maybe invite somebody over sometime without an agenda? Just, hey, I want you to come over and have some chili or have some chicken or just whatever. That's a simple thing that we can do. And that's what Levi did. He just took this initiative to invite his friends. Now, what's interesting is that technically this was the first block party in the Bible. 
So he started a movement, the first holy block party in the Bible. It was recorded, you know, recorded there in the New Testament. Um, I think that happens to be, I'm, I'm being a little uh, funny about it, but it actually is a great idea because when we lived, my wife and family and I, we, we lived in Oregon for 15 years, and in the neighborhood that we lived in, there was a, one of our sweet neighbors and friends, um, Carol, who I would say when you look up the, the art of neighboring or being a good neighbor, her face would be there because she just was so dynamic in our neighborhood. And one of the things that she would do every Labor Day and Memorial Day and July 4th, those kind of big holidays during the, the times when it's not raining in Oregon, um, she would she would go and pull, pull her grill out to the street and she would just go like around the neighborhood and ask people, hey, you guys want to come out? I have a grill. I'm going to be lighting the fire a little bit later. And the next thing you know, there were people hanging out in the street. Um, we, we might have fireworks. There's a water, usually it involved a water hose and kids getting wet. Um, but before you know it, we went from sitting in our house, probably maybe wondering what we we're going to do, to a bunch of us sitting in the street having a good time. And some of our fondest memories, actually, of our time there in Oregon were right there in that neighborhood because someone just simply took the initiative to pull a grill out onto the street and say, hey, why don't you guys come together? She was also really good at, you know, pairing people up, I say, because a lot of the times, you know, she would say, well, you know, the folks at the end of the block have a kid the age of your kids, and before you know it, you know, you'd, be, you know, you'd have built a relationship. Again, just simple little things that you can do in the spirit of just creating neighborly um, opportunities for people, you know, to connect. One of the boldest things that Carol ever did, and I won't get into the details of it, but when we were moving, we were actually going to rent our house to someone else in the neighborhood, and Carol said that she, and she was going to get some neighbors to come and clean up our house to get it ready for it to be rented out. And I said, well, Carol, um, we've been living in this house for 10 years, and when we, Carol and I moved in the house, we were just the two of us, but I don't know if you know this, but we have four kids now. And so we've raised these four kids in this house over the course of 10 years. Are you sure you want to clean this house up? <laughs> so I was like, I'm not sure that you want to, like baby, remember it's baby stage and toddler stage. All of that has been in the house for 10 years. But she was wonderful. They did it. and It was a really great gift that they gave to us as we were leaving. Um, but little things you can do. Don't have to necessarily clean up your neighbor's house, but little things that you can do. So how do we move from theory to practice? How does this really work? What are some principles that we can look at to move from theory to practice? I think the first one is that we must embrace the risk and take the first step. The reality is that it's going to be risky. Whenever you get involved in the life of other people because you don't know what's going on in the house of the people across the street from you. You really don't. We see them maybe coming and going. So there is a little bit of risk involved in this. In Matthew 14, 28, um, is, is, a, is a little a tale about um, Jesus calling Peter to, to step out of the boat, and Peter is scared, and he begins to sink. But you know, in that moment, Jesus saved him. But the reality is that he would have never known what it was like to take Jesus up on something unless he took the risk. And what I happen to believe that when we are willing to trust God and move in obedience, doors of opportunity will open in ways that we've never imagined. But sometimes you got to understand that, that the greatest things will never happen if you don't take the risk. There's just some things that God will never show and never do unless we actually step out of the boat and take the risk. And so that's what I believe he's calling us to do. Um, you know, and it probably isn't that big of a risk unless your neighbor's in a witness protection program. Um, it's not that big of a risk, usually. 
So that's what he's calling us to do. Number, the number two thing is know the small sacrifices, know that small sacrifices can lead to great opportunity. In John 6, 5 through 12, there's a great, again, story about Jesus using the fish and the loaves from the, the kids to feed the 5,000. It was a little something that when put in the hands of the Lord, turned into something that blessed multitudes. And that's what he's calling us to do. He's saying, can you put a little bit of effort and with, with the trust in me and just watch what I might do and expanding that love around your neighborhood? Um, it's simple. Just share what you love to do. Make small steps. Give the little you have and watch what God will do and making it, turning it into a miracle. The third thing is to beware, be aware of motive because motives matter. We don't want to, to use another advertising reference um, to be a bait and switch, you know. Hey, you want to come over for some chili? And they come over and you got your big study Bible out, you know, you're ready for them. You know, we don't, we don't want that because what we want to do, just like I believe the most effective way that Christ draws us in is that he draws us in because we, we just fall in love with this, this guy who was willing to die for us. You know, it was just a, a, this unbelievable expression of love. And I believe, and I tell myself and others all the time, lead with love. Just lead with love. You know, we don't save anybody ultimately. We don't, you know, we're not, you know, we just, we just want to express, be an expression of the love of God in the life of people. Because as Mike said earlier, we may be the only expression of God's love that they ever will see. Or maybe that they've ever seen. So that's why we want to make sure that our motives are pure. We want to just love on people. We don't love our neighbors to convert them. We love our neighbors because we are converted. And this is what I'll also say, just to, to wrap that part up, is that I always want people to come to know the Lord. How many of you think it's a good thing that people come to know the Lord? It's always a, the great and ideal end result for them to come to know the Lord. Um, but we're going to not put that at the front end of the process and say, you know, every time I encounter you, I must give you three or four or five Bible verses, send you to a couple of websites, Christian websites, and, you know, and, and impress you with my Christianity. But I'm just going to love you and just see what God will do through the simple act of me just caring about you as a person. Amen. The fourth thing is to practice the golden rule. We're all familiar with from a very early age, doing to others as you would have them doing to you. How do you want to be treated? You treat them that way. You know, that's a simple thing that we can do. Keep in mind as we're thinking about being good neighbor and everything that we do, all the law is kind of hinged upon all the things in our faith is kind of hinged on this in so many ways, because it's just like treating others with decency and respect and, and how we, we, we want to be treated. I think if you look at these things, the risks, the sacrifices, being right motives, and this golden rule principle, I think we've given ourselves some good principles in terms of how do we go about being a good neighbor. And I think ultimately what I would leave you with today is that um, what we want to be is neighborly all the time, everywhere that we go every day for the rest of our life. Like never close the door or never go back from this idea that I can take little small steps in all the context of my life to be a good neighbor. It's, it's like the least I can do is be a good neighbor. I believe as I reflect on all the things that Christ has done in my life, all the love he's shown me, all the mercy he's shown me, it's just like, absolutely, sign me up for that, Lord. Mother Teresa said, if you can't do great things, 
Do little things with great love. And I believe that is what this whole series has been about, is how do we just love on people in little, but I believe ultimately effective ways. As I was thinking about the sermon, and, I'm, and I'll close with this, um, there was a, I remember this, this um, video that I had seen, this little news clip that I had seen I'm going to share with you. But I think it's this whole notion of um, living a lifestyle of being a good neighbor, and that everywhere I go, all the time, I'm thinking about who's in front of me and what can I do to just love on people and make, make that a part of my life, make that a priority in my life, in fact. I think that would help us when we are frustrated in traffic. I think it would help us when we're frustrated in the grocery store. I think it would help us calm down and not be so in a frenzy all the time because I'm thinking about people and the impact that I can make in people's lives. I believe at the end of all of that, God is glorified, his kingdom is built, and our purpose is accomplished as people of God. So why don't you take a look at this video as, um, as we close up today. For barbecue lovers, Brad's Barbecue in Oxford, Alabama is heaven on earth. But 80-year-old Eleanor Baker says her visit here earlier this month was especially divine. I think it was a God thing. I think God sent me there. You think we needed the example? Yes. That people care about other people and how important it is. <laughs> Eleanor is a widow. She lives with her dog, Rufus. And although she has a big family, they mostly live out of town. So Eleanor was alone the night she went to Brad's barbecue. Security footage shows her entering there in the purple. And at about that same time, these three young men arrived. They say they were just having a good old time. We was all just sitting there just talking. When Jamario Howard noticed Eleanor. An older woman sitting by herself. Jamario says he hates seeing people eat alone. And I've seen that. When most of us see someone eating alone, we feel that way. But our sympathy never solves anything. And Jamario really wanted to fix this. So he got up from his table and sat at hers. He just came up and he said, I saw you sitting over here alone. And he said... Do you mind having some company? And she said, go right ahead. And then I introduced myself, and she introduced herself, and it's kind of how it all got started. They all ended up having dinner together. And it was just a really nice, pleasant evening. <laughs> what those 20-somethings did that night speaks volumes about their character. <laughs> but they say it wasn't entirely altruistic. <laughs> they enjoyed her company as much as she enjoyed yeah. theirs. Because when we left there, that's all we talked about. When you make that kind of connection with somebody, it's hard to let it go. Like, I already feel like we're her grandkids. <laughs> so you got room for these guys in your life? Of course. I'm so glad y'all could make it. They have all vowed to make room for one another. <laughs> and certainly, if Eleanor's right, that God played any role in this, it may be to remind us of the joy that awaits just outside the bubbles we live in. I used to say when I was younger, and I still say today, like, I'm going to change the world somehow. And I don't know how, because I'm not rich, I'm not famous, and I'm not very smart either, so I can't be the president. But we can show the world that it's all right to be kind, and then before long, maybe the world will be a much better place. Amen. Steve Hartman, on the road, in Oxford, Alabama. Let's stand as we get ready to go today. Father, thank you for your, your amazing, overwhelming, continuous, never-ending love. You have shown us day in and day out 
what, what a neighbor is all about because you have been everything to us. And I, I pray, Lord, as we wrap up this series today, I pray that all of our hearts are pricked and that we are all drawn to this idea that you want us to be neighbors all the time, everywhere we go. Show someone your love in action, in lives. And maybe it's a smile and a hello. Maybe it's something more. But I know you'll give us what we need to be who we need to be for you. So I pray now as we go today, God, that you would go before us. I pray blessings over every family represented here. I pray that the week would be great. I pray that you would uh, open our hearts to exercise our faith in ways that we haven't imagined we could before. We thank you so much. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.